This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined today by Hamish Smith, who is coming to me from work, because he's actually going to work and and I'm not. He's at Otago Polytechnic. Welcome, Hamish. Thank you, Sam. How has your bubble life been? Um, Yeah, quite, quite interesting. Um, I um, would work at Otago Polytechnic the students that I look after went into lockdown um, when we were we were in lockdown and I ended up having to teach online um, to my students and deliver material, a lot of which wasn't really designed to be delivered online originally, so it had to be adjusted um, for the lockdown. So you teach computing, but not just computing, you teach yep. hardware. Yep, I, I teach hardware, networking, computer concepts and other bits and pieces. Yeah. So people were on a computer. Can you, yeah. you know, is it not just yep. a matter of saying yep. that thing down there, that's a mouse and yep. that's over there's a keyboard? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's talking about, about <laughs> a mouse and a keyboard. Um, a lot of the time we're, we're talking um, about networking concepts using a lot of different equipment, some of which we only have here at Polytech, their lab spaces. Um, and, and also we've got a hardware area where students can pull things to bits. And under health and safety, um, and I, um, we don't really want students sort of pulling things to bits at home for our courses. Um, and also possibly um, if they don't own the equipment they're using, someone else might not appreciate them <laughs> pulling stuff to bits as well. So, yeah. So did you have a mad rush to get things online? Um, a bit of a mad rush. Um, but the rush was more it was more sort of, um, you know, so it was a bit chaotic, but it was – it was doing stuff as we go, and we've had those occasions before in the past where things don't go right in IT, and you've had to think on the fly. So a wee bit of that, but we basically went straight away. The next day, we were online from when it was announced um, that we're going online. We were online before we were even in level four. Um, we went fairly, fairly quick, um, and we just basically did the stuff that was easier first. In the background, we were flat tech. Um, pre and other stuff and making it look like we, we were, you know, all under control. We heard mostly about um, school age students, but we did hear about yep. people that were a bit more vulnerable or didn't have the equipment. Did you have to have to face that? Yes, we did. Um, I what we did because, because we were at level three, we were we were able to drop equipment off to people. There was a bit of rushing around, dropping off um, equipment to students, quickly finding out from students who had 
well, what hardware, what was needed and who didn't, um, and dropping that sort of equipment off to students. Um, Otago Polytechnic did a really good job of providing equipment um, wherever possible. Um, we also had some sort of more non-traditional computers, you could say, little um, little thing called micro bits, which are like, like little processors, you know, on little circuit boards that we had to drop off to students for them to carry on doing their work as well. So it wasn't just computers, it was other technology we had to drop off around people's homes as well. So how was the actual teaching? You're a you're a talker, so you, yep. you could you could yep. happily talk in front of a camera. Did, did it just <laughs> did it work? Yeah. Um, the short answer is, is the way I describe it is difficult. Is the way I describe it. Um, as students, as students, um, what their home environment for starters is their playground for a lot of our students. In other words, you know, you're on your computer at home, you are relaxing, you're entertaining yourself, you are, you've got lots of play games, a lot of things that entertain you and all of a sudden, and you go to Polytech and when you're at Polytech, you're in learning mode to suddenly adjust to um, to the whole time when you're on your computer, having, you know, f um, throughout the day to be studying on your computer. Um, for a lot of them, they struggle with that enough when they have to work at home, um, let alone do that full time. Um, so it was quite difficult for them. It was a real adjustment and a real change of habits for a lot of them. Um, and so because it was difficult for the students, um, it was difficult for us. Did you change your the, the structure of the, cl the classes? Did you break them up more or something? Yeah, we, we, what, we, what we did was we did change the structure a bit um, for online, but we also tried to keep certain structures as well. There's a balance between the two because it was about trying to, because the world was uncertain, lots of changes were happening. In some ways, having that continuity the students of, of learning going on and learning still being there and, and some of the things that they already knew was we, we kept that going in an online environment was actually quite comfortable and, and, and familiar to a lot of students and so we tried to, to keep engagement and keep a lot of things going but yes we did break things down a bit um, we tried a different we tried different formats where we'd often finish things early early and then have a lot of and say okay if people are happy they can sort of go off and do other things well just those that want to have a discussion they can sort of hang around and sort of broke down into those smaller one-to-one -one discussions a bit more on the online environment um, which you'd normally do when you're just wandering around a group of people anyway. What did you learn about teaching that will be useful in the future not for necessarily for the next pandemic or for the for the pandemic 2.0 but for the for you know this actually turned out to be a good way of, of doing things? Yeah I think what ended up being good, and some of the things I probably I probably learned from it, um, is the is probably the multi having multiple conversations going at once can actually be a useful thing sometimes. In other words, um, with having the chat environment and having people sort of chatting away about things at the same time that things would maybe be presented by a shared screen environment, um, sort of meant that that it could be sort of almost two threads of conversations going on about the topic at the same time. And, and I could flick in and out of those threads as well. So I'd be talking about one thing and then suddenly someone's still going on for conversation in the background that's really interesting. Um, I could jump in and, and talk about that and sort of flip between the two. Um, and that could be useful at times, distracting at other times, but useful at times. Um, and so thinking about different ways that we can have other types of feedback and interaction happening while 
while there's still maybe a, a lesson plan as such going on, um, was was sort of quite interesting. Were you able to do the sort of the the, the bring the class together thing? Hey, hey everybody, you know, Jenny's having yep. trouble with this. What do we think we can do, or yep. that sort of stuff? Yeah, it was. Um, it was, but once again, it's about. Um, I found it was about understanding personalities of your students as well, because when you're online, um, the person that normally likes in the back of the room in the far corner, it's a bit hard of. Maybe maybe a bit harder for them to do that. Sure, they can turn their camera off and be quiet, but if if I was to pull attention to what they are doing, then that would be suddenly become the, the focus of everyone and just be bombed right in front of everybody. Um, and so you had to be aware of personalities and and sort of get permission sometimes from people before you use them in, in a big way, an example like that, and understand the personalities. Um, there's less, less room to hide when you're online in some ways, um, if, if, if you bring the attention to them. And there's more ways to hide if you just if you turn your screen off and sort of don't interact at all. Um, but you know, you've got to be careful how you balance that personalities and ways people learn. Were the outcomes for the, the semester okay? Um, we lost a few. Um, the As I mentioned earlier about the struggles that students had with um, really this being different way of all of a sudden their home environment becoming their, their, all their teaching environment. Um, for some of them, they, they struggled with that. They struggled with the, with the engagement and also um, the anxiety levels were higher. I think a lot of people experienced higher anxiety levels at the time, just of all that was going on, um, the amount of media exposure to what was going on during lockdown. And so we, we had a lot more anxiety issues than we probably than we normally would have in a semester. Um, we did a lot of work to try and and um, deal with that at the same time. Um, but we did lose we had a, a quite a few more who, for compassionate reasons, couldn't continue their studies than, than normal um, with those with that particular cohort of students. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's take yep. Oh Come to the Altar. Why this? Yep. Why this? Um, to me, with my Christian faith, um, it's a song that means means a lot to me. Um, when, I'm, when I'm often in my day, especially dealing with lots of um, difficult situations such as COVID especially, um, even once in a while when I'm working away in my office or something, I'll put my headset on and just listen to to some sort of um, praise music that just brings me back to, to my faith and relationship with God. And I find that helps me in a lot of situations. Um, and it's quite relevant to what we've just been talking about. Um, and that's an aspect that I at times found, because um, probably my personal experience um, during COVID and the sense of where I was and how I was working at home um, meant that I, I'd struggled a wee bit um, and at times had to sort of almost breathe deep Put the music on and and, and meditate on 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 that on 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 my relationship with God, um, and that helped me through. So some of the times that I was struggling a wee bit um, through that. I mean, if you want to, I'll, I'll just I'll tell just a wee bit about um, what I found in my home environment, and probably the one of the, one of the things that I found was quite tough is that um, with all the issues I was dealing with students, etc., I was spending a lot of time in front of the computer. Um, not getting up, walking through a class space, interacting with people, going into a lab area, having those very various ways of interacting. I was stuck in front of a computer, using a lot more 
online type platforms and things to try and give students some of those experiences, but it was still in front of a computer. So, um, and there was a lot of demand on, and so I couldn't always take those walks or do those things. And so I was doing some pretty long days and I found that it, it was it was isolated and it was, um, you know, at times I, I found just the long times in front of the computer was not good for my health. Um, and so, yeah, I, I needed to, at times, to stop, breathe deep, take a break, um, and that was quite important. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling.
cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Your close family has two nurses in it. Yes. So, just one of them at home, yes? Yes, it's just, just one at home. So, right. so she was, like, going out to work and yep. being essential? Yep, yep being essential. Um, yeah, she, she was. Um, it, it meant, it meant I, I, I was aware, because um, I'm actually an asthmatic, so I, I, I am classed as a... Um, at, at risk as such, um, so yeah, I, I, that was something we, we, we were aware of. Luckily, she was not in any of the environments where any COVID cases were brought in. Um, um, her particular environment is, you know, well, it was a more smaller environment away from the main hospital, um, but she still had to deal with um, a lot of people that were um, at stages of, of, of life where maybe they wanted family members around them. Um, you know, some patients that pass away, etc. Um, and so a lot of the lockdown rules, she was experiencing um, a lot of extra stress. And, of course, coming home, um, still sharing those work stories um, when I was had different work stories. Um, and, yeah, it was challenging for her. And, of course, she, um, sharing, sharing those challenges as well and um, with me. Yeah. Did you get to go out for walks together and stuff? Yes, we did. Um, we did a lot more walking. I think, a lot, like a lot, of, a lot of people said, a lot more walking than they probably normally would around the neighbourhood. Um, found some interesting new tracks in the neighbourhood that um, we didn't actually realise that you could cut across that field, and that farmer was happy if you doing that. And it linked on to this other route that linked you into this other part of the city, sort of thing. Um, so we we tried to. I, I, at times, things were busy um, and didn't get as many walks I would have liked. But yeah, got around the neighbourhood um, a lot more, um, explored a lot of other areas, and if, which was have good. You, have you managed to get down to, to the lake? I over the Manapuri. Yeah, we, we have since lock since lockdown. Yep. Um, was that a sense yeah, of no, sense I mean, of relief, a sense of strong yeah, sense of you've had a very so. strong sense of place for there? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, my identity is very much over, over the Fjordland area of New Zealand. Um, that's very much where I spend a lot of my holidays um, around the lakes there and in the bush, etc. So getting back to some of those places afterwards um, was a wee bit like a reset, um, making feel that life has got some back to normal in some ways, being able to go to those places we weren't able to go to during lockdown. Um, and just having that sort of peaceful time, peaceful time in nature, um, Going really good as well, and I'm um, doing a bit of fishing as well, it's always good. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokudu, Goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. We hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes, and I really hope that wherever you are and whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very fulfilling and illuminate for you more and more each day who you are, a triumph of nature's art. Perfect. 
unique here making things better Thanks. so i've had a very interesting day and i'm very excited to talk to you about it thank you for having me very very grateful for our time together each day it's been so helpful for me over this time as we've moved from level four lockdown level three level two level one and now back to level two for us in autoporty stuneden and level three up in auckland and i really hope that for all of you you're finding lots of ways to remember all the new skills that you developed over that journey and those pre-existing skills that really came to the fore to support you and those around you and i hope that you are also getting lots of love and support you deserve and, and is available for you at all times through that connection that we all share with all life in an infinite web and something that i've been particularly enjoying seeing of course now is all the flowers all the buds that are waiting to open and this sense of patience that the natural world reveals to us this sense of waiting and growing and developing in an honourable and respectful way that we do have to take our time and in taking our time we lay the foundations for future success and I've been of course learning more and more about the beauty of the real world, the living world, the natural world that surrounds us and listen to this wonderful book Braiding Sweetgrass which I'd really recommend and in that book Robin Kimmerman Wall talks about buds and how buds are in fact sensory organs and of course I knew this already in the sense that many of our native trees communicate using their flowers that their flowers will change color once they're pollinated and kōtukutuku and native fuchsia does this but I hadn't realized that flower buds themselves are there to in a, in a similar way to our own pineal gland and a similar way to many reptiles uh, openings into their skull into their their version of a pineal gland the tuatara's third eye for example they're there to sense the length of day and build up a circadian rhythm and have an understanding of when it's safe to emerge into the light and I'm going through this process a wee bit myself with my recovery having had my exciting mystery fever healing adventure in Autoporty Stuneden Hospital so at the moment I'm a wee bit like a flower bud just sensing when it's safe to actually fully unfurl and come out into the light and of course as a nation we are experiencing this as well we're having to hold ourselves more tightly curled up and hold ourselves more safely enclosed and respect our space and the space of others while we get a sense of this new situation that we find ourselves in. And of course, this does require adaptability, flexibility, patience, that we all excel in as a species of animal. We have all these great skills. But it also, I feel, requires a sense of gratitude that our environment is giving us all these cues all the time. Our environment is letting us know when it is safe for us, when it's the right time for us to fully unfurl and blossom and bloom and emerge and reassuring us, letting us know that when we do bloom and blossom and fully re-emerge, we will be loved, we will be supported and it will be 
a wonderful adventure for us that's just waiting for us. So I really hope that for all of you, you are enjoying this time. I hope that you're able to get the rest and recuperation as we adjust to level two life. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. And you had a big trip planned. So that yes, we did. No, no, we were planning to head to the States um, and doing a, quite a bit over the year, um, touring around a wee bit, but um, also going to a conference over the year with the family, with my wife and one of my, one of my children. Um, and of course, that was meant to be in, Jul- in July. And of course, um, flights are all cancelled. Um, so that, that did not happen. And we did not get over there. So have you, did you work through or did you take that leave anyway? Yeah, we took the leave anyway, and we did what a lot of New Zealanders decide to do, and that is um, when you've already got the leave, you might as well be touring around our beautiful country. Um, and so we um, took the opportunity to grab a camper van. Oh, you did, on, yeah. On the, on the, yeah, grab one of the camper vans from, um, yeah, that was available, and we did a uh, about a 12, 12-night 12 um, tour around the South Island, in the camper van, um, visiting lots of spots uh, down the west coast, and down all the way down through Milford Sound, Fiordland, uh, down down to Manapuri, wee bit, and then um, yeah, right up through the middle, um, Christchurch, also Hamden Springs, yeah, just just all around the place in the South Island. What was the best thing you did? Best thing I did was go all the way up to Karamea and do the um, go go and look at the basin there and see the arches and um, explore around there and then go down, we went a couple of places, we went to the limestone caves as well, um, down in Charleston, amazing the limestone caves there in Charleston as well. We go way through um, into utter real darkness. Um, but yeah, and, and just, oh, just all the, all the, all the, um, you know, all different limestone features and things. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing bush that, um, the bush around the Karamea yep. arches, that area yep. there, isn't it? It is, yeah, amazing. Um, it? And, and, and just, yeah, you know, I suppose the difference, the wee bit of differences there compared to what I'm used to down south you know, as well. So, um, no, we really, really enjoyed it. And just, yeah, and just spending time together, my wife and daughter, the, all of us that were meant to go to the States, we ended up still doing, still spending time together. And, and um, it still wasn't, you know, it's all a bit of disappointment, and I think you'll experience some of that disappointment when plans are changed and reasons for your plans, and you don't experience the same thing. Um, but I can think of a lot, lot worse places to be locked down in. Did you let the other kids come with you, or was it a nope? This is we're we're, we're recreating no, the trip we were yeah, going to have. Well, yeah, yeah, it's you know, a wee bit of that, but um, if they really wanted to come, we would have, but um, they it didn't suit their holidays and things. There are ages now where they're studying at Bath University, etc. So didn't suit the holidays. So yeah. So of all the changes we've seen, the sort of societal level changes we've seen in the last few months, yep. what do you yep. think is going to stick? And what do you hope will stick? Okay. For me for me, um, the thing that I found really interesting was um, thinking about isolation. Um, and understanding isolation a wee bit more. It, it's something that we that a lot of us got to experience in a more real way than, than we probably ever have before. But there's others 
who've experienced various levels of isolation, even outside of the COVID um, pandemic and, and, and within their lives at, at different levels. Um, so what was apparent was, was that what COVID actually did was open the doors for some people. And actually for some people, it actually got them to be more involved socially than they would have been otherwise. And the reason for that, if I give an example, is within the, the church I'm involved in, um, we have home groups where we meet each week within someone's home. And that seems like a good idea. It seems great. Um, the problem is, is those that struggle to get out and struggle to get to someone's house, whether it's because they've got young kids, whether it's because at times they're just so tired and they just don't feel like the effort of leaving the house and, and going out in an evening is just too much for them. Um, and there's various reasons. And so some people just being able to sit at home and just connect and maybe even not even turn the camera on if they don't want to and participate in something was a more easier way of doing things than otherwise. And and so I think there was quite there's a few people interacting um, who possibly wouldn't have the opportunity or maybe the will necessarily to interact um, under a normal situation and probably made them less isolated. Um, so so I found that quite interesting. So what we have looked at doing is saying, well, let's let's keep this going. Let's keep both going um, within you know some of our social community, especially a church community. Um, but the difference is, of course, when everybody's on a computer, that is different to when some are meeting in a room and some are on a computer, and that can actually be an isolated thing in itself. So I went and brought a, a omnidirectional room mic and the right equipment so that we could actually still bring them into the room, those that are online, and give them the experience. So we've carried it on, and most weeks now we have people coming in online as well as those that are actually in the house, and it's created more of a community. Um, so that's, the, been, that's been quite important. Did the actual church services, you did those online? Did that work? Yes. Yes, that, that worked, and we've carried we've carried that on now as well. So now um, our church services now um, each Sunday morning are shared online, and we have somebody who's doing all the overlays and things and overlaying all the words and slides over the screen so people can still get the full experience and incorporate any video or anything as well into the online experience. Um, and so people maybe who, who found that as a better way of being able to interact with church so, now, now getting more of that. Uh, so yeah. you're taking the feed from the service and putting the, the words yep. up over on the yep. screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if in the service we're singing and, and looking at some words on the overhead of singing a song or something, that will also be appearing on the screen so people can sing from home or get the same sort so of like karaoke. As well. Karaoke church. Yeah, yeah. And of course, if someone someone's sharing a sermon or something, then, then what they're sharing will appear on the screen beside them. You know, within within the area of, of you know overlaying it, the screen things like that it, as well. Is it qualitatively different? I mean, a, a big part of that coming together is the communal yep. being in the same yep. space together. Yeah. Um. Yes, it is. It is different, and, and, and you saying that, that actually leads on to, when you said before, what were my takeaways? There was another takeaway that's linked to that, and that is, um, and I think this, this will happen for a lot of people, not just a, a church-based thing, but um, that if you have a meeting of any community group, maybe a smaller community group during the week, and you then try and, and do that in lockdown, it's not just enough to say this is a gathering of people so what we're going to do is, is we're going to have a gathering online of people um, because 
if you look and think about what happens when people gather in a small group, is that yes, you get maybe a communal conversation, but then you get the on the sofa chat, how you're going happening between these two people or it's over over the coffee, someone chatting or someone is heading out the door, stopping and chatting outside to someone. And so you're getting a lot of interaction, of one-to-one interaction happening uh, within that. So what we actually found was, was that after about a week running our small home groups online, we found that that we're missing some of the social community aspect that would normally happen in a weekly meeting. And that was those one-to-one on the sofa conversations um, because we were bringing everyone in together and we weren't using breakout rooms or any aspect like that. So what we ended up doing was we actually ended up making it two nights a week and actually having a schedule that was put out each week. Someone did a schedule each week and paired people up for the individual conversations. And then you just chose a time that suited you to Skype in with those or or connect in, Zoom in with those individual people and have your one-to-one time. And then the next week, you'll be paired up with somebody else. And someone just oh, ran good. Yeah, yeah. because it's those it's, it's those conversations you have with somebody when yeah. you're queuing up for the coffee that this person yep. you don't yep. really know, but that's actually the, yep. the value of doing things like yep. going to a conference the, in this the, case. The the of it, and and, and where a lot of that partial care is happening as well um, of each other. Um, and so you have to share, pray for each other, you know, just share each other's lives on that one-to-one basis, which is what does happen at, at, at any sort of gathering. And I mean, you'd say the same thing. You get sports gathering, any sort of community gathering, there's those one-to-one conversations are very valuable as well, and you can't. You've got to think about how you replace those, and if you're doing an online environment, we found let's, that worked. Let's oh, take yeah. the second of your music choices. Let's yep. have Gary Moore over the hills and far away. Yep. So, so that's a bit, a bit of an oldie, um, and um, in a lot of ways, for for me, um, the reason I reason I chose chose that song is because it also hooks into my heritage a wee bit Scottish, um, Scottish heritage. And um, so it sort of links in a wee bit about, about um, you know, thinking about not just my immediate family, but my extended family. Um, and also a wee bit about um, identifying your roots, where you come from and what that means to you as well. So it's, you know, um, it's got that real Scottish flavour, which I quite, quite like.
if we were to really be playing to your family heritage we'd be playing the wonky donkey that's right <laughs> great <laughs> so what do you think we can learn from this for the sort of the the longer term questions the the perhaps intergenerational problems that we face climate change and social yep. justice and so on yeah i think um just to steal those in maybe a bit of reverse order, um, start with social justice. Um, I, I, I really think that we've got to, we've got to move a wee bit away from um, our connections, our social connections and our community connections being based upon places, um, is what I've been thinking about. Um, there is a, there is a, a say, well, quite a well-known, maybe overused expression within church environments that your church is not a building, um, that, you know, if you centre if you centre a community upon a, a building, um, that is not the best thing to do. Um, so it's not just about going to a building once a week. It's about the community and it's about how we connect with the community. I think the danger is is when we move away from that, we then just move we move it and say, okay, well let's meet in our houses and we replace one big building with lots of little buildings. Um, and once again, we have that same issue of of um, of you know how do you connect people. So I think with social justice, it's it's about um, it's always been about um, going into where people are and into their community, into their homes, connecting with them within their own environments, um, and linking in with them. And I think that's a wee bit about what this has done in some ways. Even though we were in some ways locked out of people's homes for a while, um, in other ways we were invited into people's homes on a much probably a much more regular basis. And unless people were using some sort of background. On the, on the uh, cameras, we're, we're often seeing the homes and sometimes seeing the reality of ways people live, um, lives, etc. And often having more conversations about their lives because we were connecting more with their, their homes and where they were and stuff like that. So I, I guess I guess the challenge is is how is how we keep doing that um, both physically connecting with people who are in isolation now that we are not more aware of isolation ourselves, a lot of us, um, and B, also um, using technology to, 
to maybe um, connect into people's spaces um, as part of their identity a lot more as well, um, and how we can how we can do that, and, and that leads to a lot of other discussion around the, you know people's lives really, and in their differences as well. You talked before about a reset. Do you think this reset? Yeah. Do you think we're actually going to take an opportunity to do a reset? Or is it going to be a, a, a rush back to normal, treating it as a recovery to get back to business as usual? Or are we going to see it differently? I think I think what is what is interesting is, and I spoke I have spoken to you about this before, but but I'll mention you know, individually we've spoken about this, but is this whole idea of COVID being over COVID time being something that just changed changed the way we live our life. Um, that COVID wasn't really changing the way we lived our life because we had no choice in it. In other words, what COVID actually really did was it forced us to live in a way that if we'd had the chance to plan, we would have not necessarily have lived, whether that's the way we interact online in education, the way we do our jobs, et cetera. Um, and so I think some of that is, 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 even though we were trying out new things, we're trying out those new things often in an environment or in a way that just wasn't comfortable, um, didn't meet who we were, who we are, um, and was sort of forced on us. Um, and and that can be quite confusing, and it can get to a point where you sort of the order of your life is is completely mucked up. And so, in some ways, I think a reset is a good thing because you sort of say, okay how can I get back to a point where I feel that my life is more going in a way that, that I feel comfortable with and in a way that meets who I am within my identity, et cetera. Um, and, and so possibly that's the one side, but in parallel with that is also taking the lessons learned and trying to apply them and maybe revisiting them under a method or a way that is more comfortable for you and exploring them a lot more in that way. Um, the things that you experienced. Um, so I think that's a danger of rushing off and saying, oh, that was great. We got to do this. Let's go and do it. And then it all falls over because or, because it doesn't, the people around you, it doesn't suit them or it doesn't suit you, really suit you. Yeah, it's an interesting that people that have said we weren't working from home, we were surviving a yeah. pandemic and trying to work yep. from home. Oh, exactly, yep. But it has, shown, it has shown that change is possible. Yep, definitely. Yep, and, and it's challenged us. And then I mentioned before about a lot of the things that are carrying on. I'm going to say the church community, but a lot of things that are, are actually um, people who are actually carrying on. I think though it's it's um, it's that it's that um, thinking deeper, um, having time, taking the the time afterwards to actually um, explore with all those around you, your community on on these ideas and things as well, because we're very much, we're, we're, we're doing, an, doing things in isolation. Um, now, how do we do things in community? Take these into a more, more of a wider community setting. And, and how do we also use some of the tools to increase our community still as well, you know? So I have some questions to end with. Yeah. Yep. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Very good question. Probably the biggest success for me in the last couple of years has been um, supporting 
some of my colleagues around the country who possibly have struggled through a lot of the education reforms and things that have been going on, and well, just changes that have been going on, the struggles around some of the polytechs and other institutes of technology type um, uh, places around the country, especially some of the smaller ones. Um, to me, that's that's huge. Um, um, being able to have built communities outside of your own region where when others are struggling to be able to go and support has been has been to me has been successful when, when community actually ends up making a difference in people's lives that's that's huge so we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes it's our yep. team of people doing good work so yep. you're on our team what is the superpower that got you into our mansion <laughs> okay um Probably, probably my superpower um, is I would I would say would be a mixture of, of a bit of empathy um, mixed in with a bit of systems thinking. Um, if that makes sense, if you can have a, a blended superpower, <laughs> um, you, I don't know whether you call me a, a empathetic uh, system man. I don't know what you call me. Um, but yeah, and, and I I think I think um, not rush, not wanting to rush to get to a destination, and actually along the way, trying to think about the people and the um, where people are at around you um, is probably you know what I hope is 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 what I'm what I bring a bit more. Um, and thinking, okay, is is this going to work? How can we make it work? How we make it work in such a way that actually that everybody meets everybody's needs um, and takes other people on the journey with you? And another way of putting it um, is, is 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 you know hopefully what comes through. And I think this is that deeper. It's that thinking of as I said before that thinking of reflect of, of reflection on you know the communities I'm involved in and, and what we learn, but also you know what? What are the things we haven't been aware of that's now is making us aware of, and how can we put something in place to make this work better? So we're nearly out of time. So quick answers for these four: Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yep. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider myself to be a one-dimensional activist. Um, but I feel I have a lot of little, little activist dimensions going on in the background. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, what motivates me and what gets, um, is probably two things. One is that I know that God's bringing the day that I'm about to face. So I, I have my faith in that. Um, second of all is the fact that I know I'm going to a job in a place where I'm working with lots of people. Um, and I love working with people. What's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? Biggest challenge I'm looking forward to in the next couple of years would be trying to um, build a, a new collaborative environment within the whole new um, polytech institutes of technology landscape within this one big institution that's happening within New Zealand and how we can cement IT within that um, and my involvement in that. IT um, has always been collaborative, hasn't it? Yeah. IT has always been always been collaborative, but um, yeah. Now, now, how how are we going to you know even make that work? Yep. And what that means. 
And last, lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, my advice probably would probably link back to what I was talking about before is with that whole isolation idea. Um, I think we all need to stop and reflect on who are the people in our communities that are actually isolated. Um, we've experienced that within COVID. Um, there are many people in our community who are constantly isolated and I know I have to constantly challenge myself um, that I'm often missing them and how can we make use of all that we've got including technology to to make it different for those people. Thank you very much for that. That's good advice. We shall go out to Brooke Fraser, Something in the Water. their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I've been joined by Hamish Smith, who was at Otago Polytechnic in North Dunedin. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.